0: Hello, humans. Hello, humans. It's close to noon. Heading back out now. I'm in the process of doing the um, early stages of this construction on my house uh, to enlarge the thing and basically um, uh, correct a lot of the faults and um, have to meet people in town, you know, engineers, soil guys, this kind of thing. So it's going to be a little bit um, irregular in terms of my schedule for a bit until I get the uh, foundation part poured. After that, it's mainly crews showing up at my house to do work, so it shouldn't interfere too much with um, this part of functions. But anyway, so heading back out... Um, been wrestling as i say with the cozy rev time issues you get a lot of people that will um disrespect cozy rev and say that it's not time he was actually uh measuring because and in my opinion this is because they don't have the um uh correct framework for understanding our reality right which is the ether psychicness and so on um I could get into some of the details of the science part, but it's, you know, I find that it's it's probably mostly interesting just to myself and a few other uh, weird fuckers. <laughs> you know, everybody else is like, eh, you know, they want something a bit more practical. Uh, so we can talk about monetary collapses. Um, so I've lived through a couple of those. Just because of where I was, because um, in the past, prior to the um, Nixon taking us off the gold standard and going 100% fiat, the fact that the United States uh, prior to 1971 had um, convertible currency, that is, if you were a foreigner, did not it wasn't pertinent to the United States citizens because uh, they knew we would raid the treasury and take all the gold. But what they used to do was, if you had a bunch of dollars, you could come in and convert them to gold, and our uh, treasury would give you gold for the dollars that the Federal Reserve had printed. Ultimately, of course, it, it you know comes down to, Federal Reserve doesn't un- own our gold, and we shouldn't be giving it out for these uh, bits of paper, right? It was, of course, in order that, you know, it was for us to create the Federal Reserve currency and get that... Um, unearned privilege or it should be earned. Let me put it that way. Should be earned privilege of having a global reserve currency. So the should be earned part is that if you're going to be a global reserve currency, you should have something of value that uh, backs your currency, right? You should have some fiscal responsibility and earn the privilege of being the global reserve currency by virtue of the fact that your house is clean, your books are in order and you have assets. And so once we converted off of gold, it took them a few weeks to uh, start engineering the petrodollar uh, solution. In that period of time, it was hell, right? During that period of time, it was a a wonky fucking economy. But that was nothing like what I encountered uh, going to Germany in the early 60s. Um, So in Germany... or in Europe in the sixties, they had a crash of the French fiat currency. The French didn't have enough reserves to back them. They had a, um, a major counterfeiting problem and they had a very, and they still do have a very poor tax collection, uh, ratio per population. And, uh, their currency was always considered a little flaky, a little, little less than secure. Now, Even when France had the global reserve currency, um, back in like Napoleon's time, even then, uh, their currency was a little flaky, right? They had uh, a lot of counterfeiting of coins and so on. So even though we were dealing with a, um, uh, a reserve currency that was, uh, basically gold coinage, uh, they did even then have problems but in any event though so they had this thing called the one for five swap so if you had five old French francs they would give you one of the new French francs for that one to five swap now this was in the 60s it propped their currency up for a good uh, I want to say probably 18 to 20 years that move that was the equivalent then of what they did with the Federal Reserve in the 1930s where they uh forbade uh, u.s citizens from having gold they confiscated the gold that was in uh, that they could get their hands on so the um they came and raided safety deposit boxes and banks and so on but they knew which banks and which boxes to go to because at that point in time you could have gold as a um Backing for a loan, so you could go get a loan of Federal Reserve notes out of a bank and deposit gold there, and that would seriously reduce your interest rate because you had your gold on deposit. And, you know, so they they would reduce it, I mean, significantly uh, for the loans. Uh, Another thing you could do with gold that you can't do now is you could insure it. So you could insure your gold, independent of where it was kept. Most people, though, would keep it into the safety deposit boxes. But because it was insured, its location was known. It was identified. Uh, And thus, the FBI and these kind of guys, when they came to, it was actually the Treasury Department and the Department of Justice combined, um, you know, because it wasn't quite the same structure in the 1930s in our government. But nonetheless, the Treasury agents came in and, and went through all these banks over a long weekend the bank um, uh, shutdown weekend which was I think uh, basically about nine days most of the banks got done with it in three or four days over a weekend because a lot of them didn't have people with gold and stuff there were a few banks that it took them a long time because of so much metal being stored there anyway though so they get the gold which was at that point worth like uh, 26 dollars an ounce and they, then they forbid anybody from having gold in the United States, uh, except for banks. And then they uh, converted gold, they instantly made it worth uh, $32 an ounce, and then raised it to $35. Um, and then this backed our currency all through the uh, 30s, 40s, uh, with World War II and Korea and all those problems. Um, that was the structure of the fiat currency. It was not 100% fiat at that stage. If you got 35 of the dollars together and you were outside the United States, you could get an ounce of gold for it anyway. So um, we're going to go through a monetary collapse. That's very similar to the um, French and in my opinion, the the Algerian uh, problems that developed from their currency issue, right? Because what's going to happen in my opinion, right? So I have read extensively on, Currency collapses. I lived through the currency collapse. I was like four miles away from the French border when all this shit went down in the 60s. And um, we saw the riots. We saw all the problems. Uh, and and I, I've also done extensive research into uh, currency collapses. Uh, they have a particular pattern. Uh, we can expect that pattern to play out again here as well. So, you know, it's like, eh, you know, nothing really new, guys. This is going to be a um, uh, the same kind of shit that we've gone through before. It won't be good, uh, but at least we know its outcome and its potentials and its timeline and stuff. So in all of the currency crashes, Weimar Republic, um, The banking crisis of 1893, the banking crisis of 1895, all of these banking crises, the banking crises in 2008, all of the uh, bail-ins, the banking crisis in 1999, all of these guys, all these things have a particular pattern and you go through a really rough period that is about six months in duration. Over the course of that six months in duration, people start coming up with solutions and implementing them. A lot of these solutions fail, you know, but some of them are accepted and they start, you know, uh, working and you start working your way out of the problem because you're addressing the issue of the currency. Now we're not, now we're falling into the problem because of all the denial, because we live in a society of denial. Uh, you know, they, um, deny the, uh, currency is uh, worthless uh, you know they deny that the endless wars are all um, uh, there to prop up the military industrial complex and the banking they're all there for profit uh, you know and so on and so on and so on I mean anything you care to to bring up truth is now that uh, the new hate crime it's the new hate language and so um, the truth about the currency collapse is that it is coming and we're going to have to deal with it. (coughs) If it is, and it should be, but if it is like previous currency collapses, we'll have a very, very intense period of about six months when no one knows what the fuck's going on and um, where all kinds of things don't work. This won't be ubiquitous in terms of the effects because uh, the country is not the same everywhere because it's so varied. And so you'll have different... um, Responses in cities as you then you will in country in the country and you know rural areas and so on So it will be different, but in general There are going to be certain things that we can uh, say are predictable right that we will attempt to discover some mechanism uh, That will work Um, We won't um, uh, Accept a new system being put on us, although you will find that they will, they, the bankers, the um, Khazarian Mafia, uh, the deep state, will be desperate to have a a solution come out of their hands that is accepted by the populace. And according to my old data sets, they're gonna try and give us, uh, they're they're gonna come up with three solutions, all of which we'll reject. Now, the first solution is probably gonna be the uh, CBDC. Now, here in the United States, the CBDC does not function. The code that they're operating on is just so full of holes and has so many problems that it is, is basically a non-starter. They could not launch a CBDC now on code that has been engineered by the Fed if they tried. Their approach is going to be to use something like XRP as their CBDC, as their basis for it. This is uh, always XRP has always been touted as the core for the Uh, the CBDC it only has one customer and that's banks. So if you're buying XRP you are speculating on a banking crisis being resolved by the banks that would then allow XRP to exist. Bear in mind XRP as a cryptocurrency is not like uh, Bitcoin or Monero or any of these others. XRP has Uh, No limit. They can print as much as they want, just like a CBDC. They can attach to XRP all of the social credit system. They can't do that too easily at all, really. They can't do it to the code in Bitcoin. And this is something else. You'll hear a lot of the the woo-woo guys, right, that are not programmers. And they'll say, oh, oh, I'll never touch cryptos because I know one of the guys that wrote the code. Okay, and then I have to ask him instantly, which code? Was it the code for it? Because Bitcoin is 100% distributed. Um, Nobody writes the code for the blockchain. The only people that write code that address the blockchain directly in that way, in terms of altering the blockchain by putting in a new block, are the miners. So you know somebody who wrote code for a miner uh, who's mining Bitcoin? Uh, Well, that's fine. How in the how does that in any way invalidate Bitcoin as an object, right? And or you could say, well, I know somebody that wrote code for a wallet, and I personally—that is me, moi—you know—I've written code for a, a Bitcoin wallet back in the day, and I even participated in writing some uh, optimization routines for some Bitcoin miners. So I've written code for the blockchain, but I didn't write. Bitcoin per se. I didn't write any blocks. I did not in any way alter the, uh, the block design. And there is the, the rub, guys. The blockchain is not a chunk of code, right? It's not a chunk of code that DARPA wrote. It's not a chunk of code that DOD wrote. The blockchain has nothing to do with that. It is a block of data. All blockchains are blocks of data that are organized, and then the organization is different from crypto to crypto. Uh, so, for instance, in Bitcoin, there's 80 80 bits that are that are held. Um, that are empty basically in the structure of it. You can put any damn thing you want in there. So there's a lot of pornography or whatever being put into the blockchain just cause you can do it because of that that uh, space, that empty space there. Not all blockchains have that empty space, but the blockchain itself is merely a, an agreed upon description. So we have an, all of us programmers. So I could write now, I could write a um, a chunk of code and make a wallet that would hit the, the Bitcoin blockchain. I don't need anybody's permission. I could just write this wallet and it would hit the blockchain and I could go through and I could analyze the blockchain and keep track of all of my, uh, my cryptos in, in that particular blockchain, right? But just because I wrote a chunk of code for a wallet on my machine. Or I could write a chunk of code and become a Bitcoin miner. You know, I did that. It wasn't very profitable for me because of the the processing power I had and the low bandwidth and stuff at the time. But I've done it. And so (coughs) anybody can write this stuff. And the fact that you happen to know somebody that wrote code in no way validates it. Because there are thousands of people that wrote code for Bitcoin. Bitcoin thousands and thousands. None of them ever altered the block in any way. They would just all agree to follow this in their in their software, all agree to follow the same convention for the layout of the block, and then they would build a block with their software if they were a miner, and, it, and then they would compete for the right to um, put that block on the chain and earn the, the Bitcoin reward for doing so. And uh, so anybody could write their own software for that. Again, it does not in any way val- invalidate the the blockchain, the idea, or any of it. This is a decentralized uh, thing, right? So you'll see um, people that well, I don't have any any Bitcoin as um, you know as an investment. Well, these are people that don't understand computers, and that's fine. If you don't understand the software and the nature of the block and how it's all built, the nature of the distributed software for the you know the Bitcoin. Uh, blockchain readers or any of the blockchains for that matter um, versus the wallet versus a miner um, you probably shouldn't mess with it right so so this is a reasonably sophisticated investment for reasonably sophisticated people who are comfortable with digital uh, material and digital assets and we know for an absolute fact that as we rebuild out of The currency crash we're heading into—that we will have the need for international settlements—and blockchain is beautiful for that because nobody has to uh, rely on anybody else's word. So, if I say I'm going to um, send X number of uh, of any coin, Monero or or whatever, so so I sent some Monero down to um, uh, Jeff Berwick's uh, deal, right? His uh, uh, help. Uh, Alcapulco recover from the the Otis weather bomb that hit him, and so I sent him some Monero. Um, they knew as soon as I had, as soon as my wallet had put that information out there about the me putting the Monero to their address, it puts it into a little chunk of code and it sends it out to potentially hundreds of mining machines that um, handle the Monero blockchain one of those probably all of them but one of those mining machines uh got my information putting the monero and giving it to jeff berwick's group down there and it put it into a block and once it was on that block it was a done deal right i could not well once i do it in my wallet i can't recover it i can't claw it back or anything right once you put it into the block it is done it is irreversible And so they had it technically as soon as I did that, because their machines, wherever they happen to be, would pick up the latest version of the block and they would see that, oh yeah, you know, Cliff has given Jeff some Monero here. And so Jeff's account would show that the Monero had been added to it and it's instantly available to him. And so this kind of an approach is gonna be used for international settlements where we have to settle between each other uh, countrywide, right? my nation to your nation kind of thing, uh, buying oil or whatever. And so, um, the, the recovery period, uh, from the currency crisis will involve, uh, all of us guys making methods for using, um, things like Bitcoin, Monero, and these other more secure, uh, blockchains as vehicles for international settlement, both, Uh, or all three, private, corporate, and government. And we just have to come up with a mechanism whereby all this stuff works. So we're going to be bumbling our way out of uh, the crash of the system. They will, they being the bankers, will pop up and say, Hey, we got a replacement system for you. Y'all move over here. And Everybody will say, Nah, the other one didn't work so well. You know, you go fuck yourself, right? We'll take the Elon Musk approach. Go fuck yourself and uh, not do it. And then according to our data, they'll come on out and make a huge push as we're going through this uh, crash in the first few weeks of the currency collapse. Uh, The bankers and the governments are going to come on out and try and beat the crap out of everybody until they accept this new system, right? And there will be people that will be, you know, made fantastically wealthy briefly uh, in the new system. So I expect that something like this will occur where they will, the bankers will come on out with the government and say, you know, we've got a terrible banking crisis. Banks are failing right and left. We've only got four or five that are really hanging on all owned by the fed, of course, all real tight with the fed. And then they'll say, but we've got a solution and here's what we're going to do. We'll give you all CBDCs. We'll compensate you for your, um, now worthless 401ks and you're now worthless Social Security and we will uh, continue on as we're continuing on. Never mind the fact that there is a 421 Delta on Social Security. So if you are an illegal alien, you get four times as much money as anybody can get on Social Security. Right? It's just the way it is. So this is a bleed-out process to bleed all the wealth and to take over the nation of the United States. We know this, and the people are going to reject the central bank digital currency. That's going to cause real fucking problems. I, there is a possibility that the bankers, the mother weffers, um, I guess it's now in Tel Aviv, the, the Grand Rabbinical Council, uh, to initiate... Uh, the chaos phase here in the United States with their sleeper cells at that point because they need the chaos to try and force the normies to accept the, uh, the money. They're basically going to say, if you accept the, the CBDCs, all of this shit will stop, right? We won't have these riots. We won't have these shootings. We won't have snipers in the street in the, in the major cities and so on, right? Um, it, it won't stop any of it. They're engineering it all to try and make you to to take this decision. And the people in, in the main won't go for it. But I do expect probably they will do something like um, come on out and say, uh, you know, we know that you don't trust the CBDC. They won't say it that way. Uh, so we're going to use uh, XRP, right? And this will instantly make all those people that had XRP fantastically wealthy, very briefly. All right. So because the people are going to reject the the first they're going to reject the three systems that are offered as replacements and we're going to evolve our own. And, uh, you know, so anti-bank without their participation. uh, So we're in for a, uh, a social level change that very, very, very few people have a fucking clue about that. Very, very, very few people can wrap their heads around even the main parts of this social change. And it's going to involve the, um, the banks, the, the power structure, the politics, the um, uh, law enforcement, justice, all of these kind of people, right? Everybody's going to be affected by this because it's a currency crash, but at the same time, it's also a confidence crash in the government, etc. And at the same time, it's a 100% uh, failure of authority. That's because the, we're going to be bringing in the religion aspect of it here. The religion aspect of it won't be able to be kept out of it, all right, because of the UFOs. All right, so in the 50s, in the military, uh, in the U.S. Army, um, which didn't have control, but at at one point the Army was like almost going to be able to get control of the UFOs, but then the Navy took them over, right? Navy being the more um, uh, money-packed. Uh, of our military uh, subdivisions anyway so in the 50s uh, the military the army and and the navy uh, encountered the problem of ufos in a serious way (coughs) when they did so they did their usual shtick which is to go and hire a bunch of academics uh, most of whom are jewish bear that in mind they're always hiring the top dogs and the jews dominate the top dogs because of the Collective that's been imposed on us by the way that the Elohim structured their um, authority, which was imposed or inculcated into the Jewish tradition and then imposed on the rest of the world. So, um, anyway, so in that period of time, the the military came up with the conclusion that. Oh my fucking god! We gotta stop anybody thinking about UFOs because if you think about UFOs enough, you come to this idea that that space aliens are the gods. If you're Jew, you know this, right? You read it in the Talmud. Uh, you read it in if you know if you read the Talmud or you read it in the Torah if you read Hebrew. Most of them don't, so most of them didn't think about it. But the military's conclusion was that if that we would. At some point, there would likely be, because they knew in the 50s that the UFOs were here, they were here to stay, they're increasing in their activity, etc., but it was growing slowly, and the and the military felt they could manage the social order while trying to deal with the UFO issue. Now we're coming up to that point where our military doesn't have money, the money's dying, the, there's no confidence in the government, the communists are trying to take over the government, uh, we got all these... Um, uh, fucktards trying to do a, a general depopulation uh, genocide on all of humanity and, uh, you know, led by the um, uh, the Jewish people who have been uh, Stockholm Syndrome into understanding genocide, uh, eight genders, and... Um, uh, authority, but very little else. Okay, so all of those things are going to die as the number of UFOs increases because the military had come to a conclusion, or their scientists had, that once there was a certain number of uh, UFO experiences and experiencers, the uh, and they had a, a threshold there. We would get to a point where a threshold would be crossed, and the general population would accept. UFOs, which we do, 60% of the population now says that, yeah, UFOs are real, but the military at that point was saying, once you cross a certain threshold, the thought will creep in, oh, if UFOs are real and they're not human, they're space alien, and if they're space alien, oh, maybe all that crap about the Elohim coming down and kicking the shit out of these tribes and turning them into the nation of uh, Israel, the Jews... Maybe that's that's legit. Maybe the, the space aliens are indeed the Jewish gods. And from then on, everything starts falling apart. The whole Abraham religion uh, shtick goes away. Uh, you know, which of the L are you worshiping? You know, are you worshiping a, an archangel? Or are you worshiping the head L? Uh, you know, because there's a bunch of these fuckers. And so then you're going to have, well, my L is more powerful than your L kind of things, Right. So uh, my Elohim God is more powerful than your Elohim God. And so we'll start, you know, the, I don't think they really worried about us treating it like sporting events, you know, my team better than your team. But that's what it comes down to uh, for many of the, the normies who just are, are, you know, emotionally attached to it and they're going to fixate on it at that level. Anyway, so uh, the military is very, very, very worried about this. And we're going to be facing this. At the same time, we're going through all of this uh, currency crisis shit. And it's all going to dovetail. It's all going to be um, uh, active and interactive at the same time. It's all going to be feeding on each other. So we're going to have a, a hell of a uh, a time here over these next few months. Some tricky driving. There we go. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm back now and I got to do some more chores here anyway. So, um, this currency crisis, as I say, we're going to have six months. That's going to be very intense. And then maybe if we're going to say until normal, maybe it's going to take 10 years until we, after that, until we feel things are, are, quote, normal. Um, just because of all the shit we're going to go through as the currency, um, perishes, but also because the, uh, perishing of the currency is going to be at the same time that we lose authority. And we're going to lose authority all the way back to religion. And tell me where authority exists on the other side of religion. Because we have to find it. Because religion is going to die. Uh, because all of our religions are based on the Elohim and the invasion of the space aliens. So humanity's got to go through some rough shit here, guys. It's going to be an interesting period of time. And talk to you later.